0: this is the 18th season of bass talk live with your host matt Pangram. btl is brought to you by Lorenz, bass Cat boats afco strike king lures sunline Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, and Pro Guide Batteries.
1: BTL, coming at ya!
0: Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live where we are going to talk about bass fishing and we are also just days away. From having our final Bassmaster Classic qualifier for uh, Tennessee coming up next month. It is the Bassmaster Team Championship taking place. It kicks off tomorrow, actually, uh, on Lake Hartwell. And I got to admit, when they first kind of did that... You know, there's a lot of talk. We talk to a lot of professional anglers, and some of them are, you know, yeah, five spots for the federation or or Bass Nation. Now we'll actually talk a little bit about that today with our guest. But uh, there's some that are all in favor of that, and then you've got the 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 championship, and you've got uh, the college guy. and And I'll tell you what, when it when it first happened, I think that there's maybe a little bit of pushback for the college angler. there wasn't much pushback when they went from five to three from the Bass Federation Nation to the Bass Nation with the top three qualifiers instead of one in each of the five divisions. But they also added uh, the team series champion, uh, and I believe there's a couple guys on the Elite Series who actually competed in that one that made the Classic through the team series. But uh, I-, I like it. I like that. Uh, you know, they they dropped the Bass Nation from five to three like six or seven years ago. But I like the addition of that top kind of BASS affiliated team series champion. Now the fact that you have to go into a bracket style and possibly beat your buddy to get to the classic, that might cause a little some issues around the uh around the campfire later on, but interested to see, I think it's almost like 200 teams. You qualify uh, through each of your kind of bass sanctioned team divisions. Like there's a bunch, I think like you can get to it through the the Nichols championship and stuff just depends on or how it's uh, how each one is, uh, is sanctioned. But uh, I'm a little jealous because Hartwell is my favorite, favorite fishery and they should be doing what I like them to do on Hartwell. But that is the last kind of major major event of the year. They will go into uh they'll take the top 3 teams then bracket them out and then those six anglers will compete for the last Bassmaster Classic spot and then we know everybody who has a chance to win in March in Knoxville. So uh hard to believe the season is already over. The 2022 season absolutely seemed to uh seemed to fly by. Uh really cool guest today. Uh Indiana guest and uh when you talk about Indiana I think your first two first two names that come to mind have to be Jacob Wheeler and Bill Lowen. And then uh Bill McDonald has has to be up there cuz dude, Bill, you've been doing this thing forever, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, sometimes way too long it appears. <laughs> did
0: I miss, did I miss like out of, I'm from Illinois, grew up in in central Illinois. Got family in Ohio, very familiar with that whole Midwest region. Would you say those are the two the two, I guess, most accomplished names out of Indiana would be Bill and Jacob?
2: Yeah, and you got Kobe Crager too, that that, you know,'s done very well. He's transplanted to Florida, but originally I'm, from Indiana. Okay,
0: yeah, he definitely has to be in the list. I I missed that. Like I said, I didn't know if there was any old school guys that I was leaving leaving out of the list.
2: No, I think that's probably it right there.
0: All right, where are you located in Indiana?
2: I'm in Greenwood, just south of Indianapolis. I'm just uh, 20 minutes from the stadium, airport, and all that down there.
0: Uh, I got to be honest, I can't name a single body of water in Indiana, Bill.
2: Well, we've got six fish in Indiana. We all take turns catching. So, I understand not knowing anybody's water there. So, it's a tough place to fish.
0: What are the kind of primary bass fisheries?
2: Uh, lake Monroe is our biggest lake. It's around ten thousand acres. And then we got the Toka Reservoir. And then of course we got the wonderful Ohio River and uh you know, which is a tough fishery. But there's there's there are some pretty good little lakes here. You know, we got Geist Reservoir on the north side of Indianapolis. It's a small lake, don't have any big tournaments on it, but it's absolutely full of fish. And then there's some natural lakes up north, you know, Lake Wawasee and some of those lakes up there.
0: When they get up north though, I mean you got like pike, musky, smallmouth, and all that in the northern Indiana lakes?
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. It's, it's a fun place to fish.
0: How far are you guys then? Okay, I'm looking at it right here. So you got a little bit of the Great Lakes. Does anybody jump up there and you can fish Lake Michigan out of Indiana?
2: Yeah, we got a bunch of guys that fish that Michigan division up there. And, you know, I I absolutely love going up there and fishing St. Clair Lake or Lake Erie, either one up there, I mean. The first time I went up, I was really mad. I spent all my life running to Kentucky Lake because it was 300 miles south. And then I found out I could be the same distance north and, and catch twice as many so I Do you I have a lot of Ohio
0: life. River experience?
2: Oh, yeah. A lots of it.
0: Where do you guys take out of then? Because I'm used to Golconda out of southern Illinois is where I've always taken out of on the Ohio River.
2: We go out of a place at uh, Candleton. Rocky Point is that one. Tanner's Creek and Madison are the three pools that they go out of here. Uh, Those are the three major ones they go out of.
0: Any fisheries on the Toyota or FL, uh, FL, pro circuit or anything that you fish that are similar to the Ohio river? Like we talked to bill and obviously I was like, well, bill Lowen's really good because he knows how to catch nine pounds on the Ohio river. And that's why he's a grinder. And that's why he cashes a check at 80% of them. I mean, are you of that same thought process that it makes you a better angler fishing? just brutally tough places.
2: Oh, without a doubt. You know, when you can fish all day waiting for two or three or four bites and stay mentally focused, it definitely helps you. The slug fest are the ones usually that you you struggle in.
0: So what I I thought about this on the way I had, a I had a little bit of a drive this morning on the way into the, uh, on the way into the studio. And I thought about, I said, I need to do a show on uh, talking to guys on how to catch fish on bodies of water that suck like everyone does tough fisheries tough times of the year what like a lot of our listeners there's people on here from indiana from illinois from kansas like nothing against i'm sure there's fantastic bodies of water there that have it but there are certain places and i grew up in central illinois so i know it where there are just not many fish it sucks it's bad bass fishing but it's on your club tournament schedule I wanted to dive in with someone on when you know that you're on a lake that does not have a high density of quality fish, like what are some things you can do to put yourself in the best position to succeed? And I was like, I mean, you would probably be a good guy to talk to about that, wouldn't you, Bill?
2: Yeah, you just slow down, in my opinion. You know, you pick stuff apart, you know, extra, extra slow. You know, if there's a laying log, you might make 10 or 12 flips to it. You know, throw a spinnerbait down at a half a dozen times. And it's amazing on multiple casts like that, how you'll actually get a fish to bite occasionally. And, you know, on the Ohio River there, I've won tournaments where two fish weigh seven pounds. And I've won them with 15, 16 pounds. So, I mean, it, it is a tough, tough fishery. But a lot of times, like I said, you're just looking for one or two key bites. to such a difference.
0: You typically try to stay closer to the ramp or closer to release areas on bodies of water like that or are you looking to make long runs or what's your low i mean because fishing slow is but how do you know if you're around those if you're around the fish on those bodies of water that's just, just
2: his, history of history fishing. we we had one tournament one time we went out of evansville one time and i'd never been to evansville and so practice day i only had one day to practice i drove to Galconda and put in practice drove back to Evansville went to the meeting that night draw a guy out and I said you want the good news or the bad news he said what's the good news I said we're going to catch him." he goes what's the bad news I said the first 120 miles I've never seen before and he goes no really what's the bad news I said seriously we're running to Alconda and I said there's a lock in between and there's no gas till we get there so we went down there five boats of us made that run and uh first second third fourth and fifth all come from 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 down here
0: at Galconda. Is that Lusk Creek?
2: Yep, Lusk Creek and Cypress Creek.
0: I impressed myself there that I remembered that. <laughs> I, spent a, I spent a lot of time with a uh, black grape, red glitter, Producto paddle tail worm on a quarter ounce lead in Lusk Creek flipping behind guys in the Assumption Bass Club.
2: There you go. And, and it's not what it used to be. I mean, the carpus took its toll there. And uh, that's not the fishery that it used to be, without a doubt.
0: Major fishery, then, that you're close to? You said Kentucky's 300 miles away?
2: Yeah, it takes me well, about three and a half hours, so 200 miles, 250 miles, something
0: like that. Do you have anything that you could have a, like a major derby in in Indiana? Any lake that would support it, like a Toyota Series or BPT or even an Open? Or is everything just...
2: You could do a BPT without any problem. You know, you could run, you know, we used to have a lot of tournaments, 150, 175 boats on those lakes on Patoka and Monroe. Uh, the bad part of those two lakes is about half the lake is idle zone. So it kind of gives you a whole different mindset on strategy on how you're going to play the game with the idle zones in there. But you could easily run a BPT event on there. And, that thing uh, be is a good strategy. That's like oh, all yeah. river all river all flipping flipping cranking just power fishing it's fun
0: what do you think made wheeler so good coming out of indianapolis or do you think that's just god-given ability
2: i think it's god-given ability i mean i remember wheeler when he was just a kid he'd come and run the banks and people bring him to a tournament and he wouldn't fish them but he'd just run around and ask everybody and he'd stand on the bank and run up and down and just fish non-stop and uh you know, he was well, always how old picking. was he? Thirteen, fourteen. Wait,
0: so he would show up to tournaments, not fish, and then just talk to the guys who are in the tournament and while the tournament was going on, fish on the bank, and wait for you guys to come back and weigh in.
2: Oh yeah, and he'd be no at all joke. the sh- he'd be at all the shows, you know, just asking gazillion questions, and you know he can take that knowledge and apply it probably as good as anybody can.
0: Wow, that's interesting. I know I've heard his stories where he said he would show up at the lawn ramps with a rod and reel and try to jump in with someone, but I didn't know that he was that ate up with it. What, his folks would just drop him off or he'd ride his bike down to the lake, I guess.
2: That, or he'd get, you know, somebody take him down there, just ride along with him and go from there. I feel like at Lake Monroe right there, I mean, it's a phenomenal, can be a phenomenal fishery. You know, I fished a seniors tournament with one of the guys fishing the Federation Nationals right now. And uh, we fished it in August and weighed in 22, almost 23 pounds. Largemouth. All largemouth. And, I mean, its I've won there with 32 pounds. i won there with, you know, 12, 14 pounds. But it is a phenomenal fishery for catching some big fish.
0: John Stewart, who knows a thing or two about the uh, Bass Nation, commented, Terry McWilliams, fourth place finish in the Classic. Was he an Indiana guy as well?
2: Oh, yeah. Terry and I used to fish team tournaments. And actually, his his nephew is down there now at Hartwell fishing, with Matt McCoy, which is already, he fished a classic a few years ago, uh, Shreesport, Louisiana, qualified through the federation.
0: It's amazing how talented some of those anglers at the grassroots and regional level are that everyone knows regionally. And then, you know, they'll make a classic or a cup or something like that. And everyone will be like, yeah, that dude is like legit but you've never heard of them you know on a national level
2: yeah we've got a bunch of guys from indiana actually you know through your mark devs qualified for the classic a couple times yeah uh you know you got gary hardwick years ago qualified chris myers qualified for the classic i know i'm missing some guys but we've had quite a few fishermen from indiana make the classic through the federation
0: uh were you you were telling me before that the at one point the Federation nation for Indiana was the largest grassroots federation state in the country.
2: Yes, sir. Without a doubt. I mean, we, you know, and it's funny, you know, we got the biggest federation with the least amount of water. So, I mean, fishing here was competitive as competitive can be.
0: And Mark Dove made two classics, 97 yeah. and, and 2000. And no, he made three classics.
2: Is it three? I knew he made two. I didn't know for sure. Three. Yeah. He
0: made the 90. I knew I'd known that name. 97 classic the 2013 classic and the 2014 classic. So he's fished seven events with bass like at the that are on the profile and three of them are Bassmaster classics.
2: Yeah. And he's still <laughs> fishing today, he's still very competitive.
0: Do you think the that the uh part of the reason why there there are so many of these good anglers is because of the success of that Federation Nation?
2: I think the success of the Federation Nation to being a tough fisheries here you know, because a lot of those qualifying are in the fall when some of that fishing is, uh, you know, very, very tough out there.
0: What happened with that? Were you in the, did you, do you remember when that split happened, when it went from the Federation nation to the bass nation and the TBF?
2: I remember when it was going on, I was out of the club fishing by that okay. time. And, you know, I just remember it's just a huge downfall and I mean, there's still effects from it. I mean, it, it's just never rebounded, in my opinion, to the way that, you know, it used to be or probably will ever be again.
0: I guess for those who don't know the way I explain, I want to say it was the 90s, mid-90s, mid, mid 90s, late 90s, somewhere around there.
2: Probably late 90s. is right when the MLF come on really, really strong, and they decided they wanted a piece of the pie, too, and then there was just a, a huge split and everything.
0: And then a lot of clubs fractured at that point, and some went over, and it would be the TBF, which was the Bass Federation, and then some stayed with the Federation Nation on Bass, but it had had just been the Grassroots Federation Nation on Bass. That's what Kirchell came up through. Uh, The Wrangler-Angler, the Nationals, uh, Iconelli came up through that. Uh, But then the TBF was a path to the FLW Tour, the uh, All-American, and the Forestwood Cup, or the FLW Cup uh at that time and it kind of stayed splinter it was like right when I was kind of getting involved into it I know all that was happening and I was just like a kid because they let me join the club when I was like 14 and I didn't know any of that political stuff that was going on
2: yeah the political but... stuff always screws everything up without a doubt <laughs> so I wish I <laughs> could just go fishing have fun and stay all of politics on it but but you know, like I said, it split things, it, it split sales, it split a lot of different things in, in, in the boating world as well.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, different boat brands, manufacturers, sponsors that then had to make a decision on that as well. John Stewart said 2004 through 2006. Yeah, yeah early that- 2000s.
2: I just remember when it happened. Dates aren't real good in my memory anymore. I've had too many yeah. birthdays.
0: Uh you say you don't like to talk to the, the politics and things. But dude, you are a a veteran uh in the professional fishing game. Uh over 200 tournaments with FLW/ uh FLW/uh, MLF and then I think I don't have it pulled up here, but you were like you went like 3 or 4 years and then took a break and then came back and basically over the last decade uh competed on the uh either the FLW tour Uh, or the MLF Pro Circuit, and I did not see your name on it for 2023 when they came out with that list.
2: I am not fishing over there. I am fishing the Bassmaster Opens. Uh, Looking forward to a change there. You know, I've had a great run with FLW, a lot of history there. Uh, But as MLF has bought it, and they've, progressed in their business model the way that that they feel directed to go it just appears to me everything is directed 100 percent towards the bpt or the toyota and not so much emphasis on the toyota but 100 on the bpt and for me and my business model i just think my best effort was to go and take my brands and go to uh fish the bass opens i've dabbled in and out of the bass opens you know, for a few years now, and uh, I'm all in on
0: 100%. Is that scary after developing such a strong brand and career over at, at one to switch to the other? Or is it guys like me with a podcast at a show that make more of a bigger deal of it than it is? Like if you listen to Ish, Ish is like, it doesn't matter. It's efficient, and I'll catch him at MLF, I'll catch him at Bass, I'll catch him on the West Coast, I'll catch him anywhere. Then you talk to some guys, and they're like, yeah, I'm freaking terrified.
3: You know,
2: I'm not terrified by no means of it. It's still just a fishing tournament. You know, my big thing was sponsor support. You know, when I talked to all of my sponsors, everybody was a hundred percent on board. They liked the change. They liked it and they go, we, we know what you do. We know how you sell product and we know how you promote. And it doesn't matter if you're promoting there or you're going to promote at bass, you know, it'll give us a fresh face at, at a new event. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. It's a little bit different going back with co anglers, but. You know, I've not had many bad experiences or any. Never had a bad experience at bass with a co-angler. And when we did have co-anglers on the tour side, you know, everybody has an issue from time to time. But for the most part, I get along with everybody good. So the co-angler thing doesn't scare me. Um, The no net rule is going to be a little bit different, but I'm good with that as well. I'm going to boat flip most of them. So (laughs) I hope to. So that part doesn't bother me either. So it's all good.
0: Uh you have fished some opens. You fished the uh Eastern Southern Opens. Southern Opens this past year. Correct. Uh, and then and then a couple uh in 2020 as well. So the it, how much of a difference is it after not having fished with the co-anglers? How much of a difference is it in your opinion? Because I've only fished a couple days without co anglers, which would be final day events or draws where I don't draw a co-angler now that the opens allow that, which I think is awesome with everybody having a GoPro now, basically. Do you think that's a, a big deal? Is that in everybody's mind?
2: Oh, I don't think it's that big a deal. I mean, some guys make a bigger deal out of it than they need to. You know, if the truth be known, there's a whole lot of guys back when we had the tour and we had co-anglers that the guy in the front of the boat benefited from that co-angler. You know, he'd be catching them doing something totally different than what the guy in the front of the boat was. And then it would change his mindset and he'd have a successful day because he changed and adapted to what the co-angler was doing. And I think, you know, you can use it to your advantage. You know, I like the three fish rule that they have on there. I'd like to see it be three fish with no calling. (laughs) But, you know, I I don't think that'll change. First,
0: first three keepers.
2: Well, There's, you know, if you put you're if you stuck put it with... in a box, yeah, if you put it in a box, you can't call it. So and Hartwell, would, you'd,
0: everyone would have three for two eight.
2: <laughs> yeah, you can change your whole mindset on how you, how you play the game. And you know, the biggest thing on co angler's back is you know, depending on what type of water. If you're fishing open water is one thing, but if you're fishing, just say Hartwell, and you're fishing the bank. If you're fishing those little finger, you know, drains and draws, it does change because the way you approach it you you can't go down one side and come back up the other and not worry about somebody casting across there. So it'll be what it'll be. It's, it's still just another Derby.
0: That's a great point. Uh, at Hartwell, I, I was very nervous about that on my, my first day draw. And, uh, I actually drew a buddy, Jonathan who I'd fished with before had roomed with us like at the previous tournament. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me because I, I was telling home and I was like, I need a guy to where I can say, Hey, Anything you cast on either side or in front is going to pull the school in one cast. So now I'm screwed. Now, you're not going to catch them because they're just going to follow your stuff. And then I'm not going to catch them because you pulled them off of the cane and the brush. But sure. I can't tell a, tell a guy that. Well, I draw Jonathan, and he goes, what are we going to do? And I said, you're, I, said, what you, I said, do you want a shot to win this? I said, bring two spinning rods with a drop shot. I said, and every time I hook one, just drop straight down. And he's like, "You're serious?" And I was like, "That's the best case scenario for you. Best case scenario for me." I said, "You will have three. You will have quality fish." I said, "It might," and it was such a dream draw because I literally could be like, "Hey, Canes up here, brushes up here, stay the heck away from it." Because if I cast and bring it in, I'm bringing them to the boat. You can drop down if you cast there; it totally messes it all up. But I think the co angler is such an underutilized. I'm glad you brought that up. It's such an underutilized component of it. And I've actually gone out of my way this year to try to. To, I guess re- uh, recruit or get co anglers for each division that I feel comfortable with that can help me practice during that tournament. Uh, and that's something that Hallman has taken advantage of and Upshot, a bunch of the guys that I travel with. And I look at it now as a, a potentially massive advantage that you can get by having the right co angler with you, utilizing it, working with him instead of just being like, hey, here's a dude in the back of my boat that might take some of my fish.
2: You know, I did the same thing at Hartwell. I, I threw out a local guy at Kissimmee, and he said he lived on Hartwell, and I said, you want to practice? So, you know, he did jump in a boat for a day. I got to practice with him and, you know, get you familiar with what he's doing and what's going on locally on the lake. You get some ideals from him, and, you know, like I said, we'd throw two different type baits, and, uh, you know, late in the last day of practice there, last full day, you know, we got onto a little deal that I ended up catching them on a Carolina rig and, uh, it worked all the way through the event.
0: Are you a Carolina rig guy?
2: It it ain't broke. Don't fix it. (laughs) It works. You know, I could catch them on a swimmer. I could catch them on a drop shot, but the better quality all come off of that Carolina rig.
0: In the same areas that you would catch them on a drop shot, you'd, you'd throw a rig.
2: Most definitely the guy that, uh, I can't think of his name. The Canadian guy, Coop, that, quali- that qualified for the elites.
0: Coop, go on.
2: Yeah, I fished around him the whole time for both days,
0: dragging a rig. And you had it. You had a good finish there. You're just out of the money, forty second yeah. out of two hundred boats.
2: Yeah, just missed a check there. So, yeah, all on a Carolina rig. Every fish.
0: You have one tied on pretty much everywhere you go.
2: Yeah, I use it for search bait a lot. You know, Guntersville this year on, on uh, you know, I caught every fish on that tournament. Except for day three, I had to change up a little bit. The first two days, I caught everything on a uh, Carolina rig and made the cut there.
0: So why a rig and not a football head or a wobble head or something that you could actually, like, move a little bit faster? Or are you moving the rig fast?
2: I'm moving it pretty quick most time. I keep it moving. I just kind of wind it. and. I just think it it just triggers for me anyway. I can trigger more bites with it than I can with the wobble hit.
0: Are you a a, a structure bug or a rage craw guy, or do you go with like an ocho or a a straight tail, a bull worm, or something on it? Typically, rage rage so you're crawler. you like the phalanges and something swimming that puts out a vibration?
2: Exactly, with a tungsten weight, so you can feel what that bottom is the whole time. Three quarter three-quarter, 90% of the time.
0: All right, so it's you're kind of fishing it like a jig then. Yeah. You're not catfishing.
2: I'm keeping, no, I'm not soaking it. It's moving.
0: Have you noticed that the younger guys don't touch that thing as much?
2: That's why I throw it. You know, everybody's gone away from it, so it, it, it's a fun, to me it's a fun bait, and it's amazing how many fish, fish you can catch. I mean, even when you go north, it's amazing how many of those smallmouth you can catch. You know, putting a baby rage bug on there and uh or flukes style style bait or caffeine shed. I mean, they will absolutely kill that thing.
0: Right, I got the schedule for the opens pulled up. So you fall Alabama, you'll have one tied on.
2: No doubt. No doubt. Wheeler. I'll have
0: one. Wheeler in May, you'll have one tied on. I'll have one tied on. Harris shaded October, you'll have one tied on.
2: Definitely find them shell beds.
0: April on Toledo Bend? Yeah, that might not probably, be
2: a key. probably not, probably not, probably
0: not. You fall in June in Oklahoma, you'll have one tied on. September in Lake of the Ozarks, you'll have one tied on. Have you probably ever been to? Po-
2: no, I, I, probably not at Lake of the Ozarks. I, I love fishing Lake of the Ozarks, and I don't think I've ever thrown one at Lake of the Ozarks.
0: Really, you got a lot of experience
2: there. I like fall fishing at the Lake of the Ozarks. Fish quite a few Toyotas there, and mm-hmm. then uh, there's a pro am they put on there. You know, late October first of November, it's a uh, fishing golf experience. Over oh, you there. D-
0: you do that, dude! I've wanted to know about that so bad. What is the deal with that? It's like, fit is it fins and skins?
2: Something like that. I can't remember what the bass and Bob puts it on. Yeah, he, yeah. You got like thirty guys, and they bring the pros in. Amateurs pay a thousand dollars to fish it, and then the night before the tournament, they have a banquet, and then they auction the pros off. So the pros will uh the, you know, some of these pros will go for four, five, six thousand dollars to be able to get to fish with them. And then you fish for a day, you play golf for a day, and then you fish for a day. And, you know, pays like seven spots or eight spots on the deal. It's a fun event to fish. You know, I and, didn't get to fish. go ahead.
0: But doesn't like uh Justin McClellan jump in, Casey Scanlon. Like some of the years like Watson, like a bunch of the guys, a bunch of the kind of bigger name Ozark oh, yeah, area you, guys jump in.
2: Yeah, you got Jeremy Lawyers there, you got Marcus Sequoia's there. I mean Dion I, Hibden. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a strong event. I mean, you gotta be on your game there.
0: It's called the Missouri Invitational Fish and Golf Championship, I think. Yeah, it's Did they it's just a, I think they just had
2: it. They just had it the other day. You know Andy Newcomb, he's he's always in it there. I mean they got some strong guys in there, and it's a strategy deal because you got to figure out your golf game. You know, I me, I'm not a good golfer, so you want to try to get paired up with an amateur that is a good golfer that can carry you through on the golf day, because you can win the fishing side and get your brains absolutely beat out on the golf course.
0: Is it best ball?
2: Yeah, they play best ball.
0: Okay. Yeah. So if you get a scratch golfer and then you're dialed in on Lake of the Ozarks, then like you sink a couple putts or maybe have a chip or two that's within tap in range. And then yeah, I see how that goes. So you need a, you need a good golfer and then you got to be on the fish.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: 18 holes and then two days of fishing.
2: Two days of fishing. It's a fun event.
0: Yeah. It's like fishing ships. Did you ever fish fishing ships?
2: I did not. Two, two years we had it. It was so cold that we couldn't play golf because all the uh, sprinkler heads froze on a golf course. I mean, it's like oh, straight degrees advice. at takeoff.
0: So it was just the fishing part.
2: It was just the fishing fish I was all in on that one. I was like, "Yeah, let's go do this deal."
3: <laughs> huh?
0: No, we did the Jeffrey did the same thing with fish and chips for like five or six years, where we did two days of fishing, and then you did a. Texas Hold'em poker tournament, and then the fishing counted for 50%, and the poker, your score in the poker counted for 50%. And you got points. You know, if you got 50 points, if you finished first in the fishing, if you finished first in the poker, you got 50 points, and then it went like half points all the way down there. And it was fun. I enjoyed, I mean, absolutely enjoyed the heck of it. But there are a couple couple guys that brought in professional poker players.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing here, because these amateurs, you know, if you're a good golfer, you know, you might put $5,000 up to draw Marcus Sequoia, which lives on the lake and is an yeah. absolute hammer, or the Hibdens. And then, you know, as long as you're catching the fish, then that guy can carry you on the golf side, and it'll pay 20000 plus to win that thing.
0: MLF has tried uh, – MLF has done some of these kind of one-off, kind of mixing things up, especially with some of their non-endemic sponsors. You see, like, hey, they get on the water – uh, with guys from other sports. and But I, would lo- I wish there was more like an all-star weekend that wasn't just like the all-star tournament like Bass used to have or something where you would have an interaction of PGA Tour pros and professional fishermen or the NASCAR and professional fishermen. And it was kind of like a whole weekend event. You throw some casting competitions in there, like a short four-hour tournament, some team stuff, some golf, like some of those. I think that would be a really really cool and dynamic uh, event to bring back.
2: Yeah. Ain't no doubt. That would be a fun deal to do. I'm actually, I can't say much about, I'm working with Lucas on an event right now. We got a meeting next week on, so we might talk more on that. It'd be a pretty interesting deal.
0: You mentioned Lucas. We're going to take our first break of the show uh, with Bill McDonald. When we come back, I do want to dive into that because I mentioned, I said, hey, you're running the Lucas Wrap next year when we were getting the show uh, together. And you brought up some interesting stuff that I was unaware of about uh, Lucas Oil, especially the Marine Department, their involvement with uh, professional bass fishing and, and amateur and team and regional stuff. So uh, if you're good with it, we'll, we'll dive into that when we come back. Sounds good, man. All right, it is BTL on a Tuesday, December 6th, talking with Indiana's Bill. Okay, 50% of the time it says Bill, and 50% of the time it says Billy.
2: Those are the two nicest things that people call me, so either one works. It doesn't okay,
0: <laughs> I do the same thing with Brad. It's Brad or Bradley when it comes to Hallman. I'm not sure which. So with Bill McDonald, BTL, we'll be back right after this
1: hey guys girl swindle representing the afco hydronaut this is the jacket i love wearing when times is tough and i'm talking about the weather not the fishing the jacket what i like i got a double cup right here i can seal up the bottom of my jacket because when you're fishing you holding your arms up you're bad about getting water that runs downhill everything bends good i'm long arm look it fits very comfortable my arms are flexible i've got the speed hood on pouring down rain i can get everything zipped up one thing they did is they made plenty of pocket space if you ain't got enough pockets in a hydronaut rain suit you just got too much stuff from the water membrane that's 30k baby 30 times the reason you ain't gonna get wet super warm if it's cold in the winter time you put on your hydronaut you're gonna be a much more comfortable person if you don't want just look sexy at dairy queen wear your hydronaut we got it from small to 5x most rain gear does not come in that many sizes you got waist adjusting straps. we can make it fit you no matter what the environment is we want you to be comfortable we want you to be dry you gotta check it out they
3: ain't gonna let you down the kvd 100 jerkbait 15 different colors a perfect combination of roll wiggle and flash increased castability 3d eyes premium black nickel hooks kvd tie one on striking lures your
1: key to better fishing this season is elite fs now available at a new lower price get elite fs9 today for 9.99 and we'll throw in a c-map reveal chart our premium mapping solution for free elite fs works with all state-of-the-art loran sonar from chirp side scan and down scan imaging with fish reveal to high resolution active target live sonar elite fs9 and cmap reveal offer ends august 31st
3: the new puma sts has been redesigned from the ground up with the angler design function and performance in mind Nothing on this new offering was compromised and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance, the Puma STS from Basscat feel
4: the rush. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide Batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice. Never fail. The best part about Pro Guide Batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com
1: and check them out for
3: yourself. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? Well, the Bass Tank is here to help you. The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thefasttank.com.
0: Welcome back, BTL. On a Tuesday with Bill McDonald. And yes, uh, I, I saw I talk about the Carolina rig a lot on this show because I can count on one hand how many times I've caught a fish on it, Bill. But there's also part of me that is terrified that I'm missing out on something that could be like the difference maker in some situations because I know everything is situational. It comes to my mind, I did not understand the power of the Biffle head, and I am less than two hours from Fort Gibson, and Tommy Biffle is an icon here in Oklahoma. He has Best Color Sooner Run designed for all of this stuff, and we watch him catch it, and for two years I was like, I don't get it. It's like reeling in a Texas. And then, boom, I understood it. The power hit. And I was like, holy cow, I've left a lot of fish on the table. Kind of in the same way with the Whopper Plopper right now. Like, I've got it, have not had the aha moment with the Plopper. So I'm trying to pick the brain of people who have had the aha moment, who have understand the Carolina rig to maybe try to figure out why I have this weird aversion to it. Does that make sense?
2: Definitely. Yeah the carolina rig to me is probably the best search bait there is you know we're all looking for those magic shell bars that a little bit of structure and i can pull up on a drop and you you can grab them you can do whatever you want but when you throw that rig up there with a the tungsten weight on it it doesn't take just a second to find out hey that that's rough there's shell right there you know you can catch fish and it's amazing because you you might fish 100 yards of a stretch and be you know muck or smooth Then all of a sudden, you know, boom, it's hard, it's rough, and you get bit. And it's just so easy to identify with that bait for me and, you know, find those little sweet spots there. You know, that's that's the whole key in all of it is finding that sweet spot, without a doubt.
0: Is that what you were throwing on St. Clair when you almost won?
2: No, that was 100% drop shot up there. Okay. I I wish I'd thrown it maybe, you know. That you, I last show, I, I heard you talking about Miss Fish or a couple of yeah. shows back that cost yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, I lost three fish that day, the final day, that no doubt cost me a bunch of money in that deal.
0: Did you do anything wrong, or did you do the exact same thing that had been a 95% hookup for the previous 30?
2: That I was new to spinning rods, I didn't own spinning rods back then, so that was a whole new game to me. The first three days of that tournament, it was dead, slick, calm, and I had no issues. And just replaying it in my mind, the only thing that went different was that final day was windy, windy. I mean, it was, I ain't going to say it was brutal, but it was, you know, two, three footers, maybe a little more than that. And I just, you know, I hooked those fish, and I just think the wave action put a whole lot more stress on those fish. If I had it to do over, I'd back to drag off, but then again, you know. Sometimes you just lose them. There ain't nothing you can do about it. Just don't go Ike when you lose one. That's that's my best thing to say.
0: You lost that one to to the general Larry Nixon, who's been making making a little bit of waves recently over the last oh, couple yeah. months with some uh, with some announcements of him returning to the elite series. I guess if you're gonna lose one, if you're gonna finish second in an event, losing it to Larry's probably not that bad.
2: Now the coolest thing about that event, Larry and I fished basically kind of side by side for four days you know, Larry had a stretch, he was fishing and I had another little stretch that I was fishing and Larry and I would, we kind of had an, an imaginary line that neither one of us crossed for, for all four days. And we would pull up, kind of get close to each other. And we would talk each day. What do you got? What do you think I got? You know, and go back and forth. And it was just the respect I had for Larry, the respect he had for my water. It was just a very cool deal to be able to fish like that. And, uh, yeah, you know, we talked every morning. We helped each other put the boats in in the mornings. We did the same thing in the evenings and just, you know, Larry's a class act guy. Nothing but respect for Larry.
0: Talking about the uh, FLW Tour, it was in late August in Michigan back in 2012, uh, and you finished that. I, I just pulled it up since we started yeah. talking about it, and that was a ridiculous top 10. Like, you know, back then, you also have to remember that not a lot of people knew who Corey Johnson was, like, across the nation. Uh sure. you know, Chad Pipkins was somewhat established, but he was kind of coming off of being like a co-angler on the FLW tour and kind of a, a northern guy that just the guys up north really knew about. Uh you also had Spencer Shuffield in fourth there, who obviously now he's won the title and he's on the BPT, but he was like Ron Shuffield's kid back in, in two thousand and twelve.
2: <laughs> Correct. Uh
0: Joe Baylog, Lake Erie legend. Uh, John Cox who, I mean, John Cox in 2012 was still pretty dominant, but I feel like he was on kind of like a year-to-year basis as to whether enough he was going to scrap up enough to be able to do the entry fees. Fair assessment a decade ago. Very
2: very fair assessment. (laughs)
0: Uh, You had uh, uh, Tim Wilson. Was Tim Wilson from up there? I'm not not familiar with Tim Wilson.
2: Gasville, Indiana. Northern Indiana, yes. Oh, Indiana guy. There you go. (laughs) Another guy.
0: Uh yeah, uh Chris McCall, uh who's been a legend. He's been around for forever. Uh and then Larry Nixon and you in second. That was a heck of a that was a heck of a top ten.
2: We had Shin Fukai in there too. Oh
0: yeah, Shin Fukai in fifth.
2: It was funny because within sight, I could see Shin Fukai, Larry, myself, uh Sheffield and McCall. We were all within sight of each other.
0: I'm assuming Corey and Joe probably went to Erie.
2: I know that Joe and I think Chad went eerie. I'm not sure what uh, Corey did on that one.
0: Oh yeah, Chad's an eerie guy. And then John, did John Cox do largemouth?
2: No, they were all back then.
0: Mouth. He was still smallmouth. He probably was throwing a spinnerbait or something though.
2: I'm sure he was shallow. But that was the biggest yeah. school of fish by far that I've ever been on. It'd probably been scary if we'd had live scope back then to look and see what how many fish were actually there. Like
0: thousands of just three to five pound smallmouth in one specific was it a grass deal or a rock vein or
2: it was just a little grass you know you know grass with sand spots in it it was funny on day two i think it was i pulled up and first cast i throw out there and i'm adjusting my unit you know get it set like this is on a ram mount and get it set like i want it i pick up and one's pulling and i holler for the net you know and i'm biting this fish and it's a big fish it comes up and jumps and i turn around and my co-angler still got his back to me trying to untangle his rod so i got a little excited and started hollering for the net a little bit more vocal <laughs> and uh he nets it and it was a 512 and he goes i go you know it's bad luck to catch a fi- you know keep the first fish catch one on the first cast and he goes you're throwing it back i go now they just say it's bad luck and i turn around i throw back out and i caught a 5.8 on the next cast and you know by 9 30 10 o'clock i was done you know it's like we got to move because i had 25 something that day. So,
0: so your first two casts were a 512 and a eight small amount. correct? On a drop shot that you were not comfortable with spinning rod stuff yet,
2: not at all. It was just, you know, I'm like, this is weird, it's really weird. And, and I got a bunch it, now. Oh, I got a bunch of them now. And I caught like a seven in practice, and it was funny because I called Steve Clapper and uh. I asked Clapper. I go, dude. If I'm catching, because I caught a seven and a five on back-to-back deals. I said, you know, I don't catch smallmouth. I don't know much about them. I says, this a place I need to work on. He goes, first thing you need to do is get the heck out of there as fast as you can get out of there. But he said, yeah. He said, if you have caught two giants like that, he said, there's a bunch of them there. And during the tournament, I never caught another fish in that spot. But went and kind of ran the same type of stuff, and and you know, landed on a on a good wide there.
0: Uh, if you don't know who Steve Clapper is, he has over 35 top 10 finishes in BFLs out of St. Clair and Lake Erie. It doesn't matter where it's out of. The guy is is a absolute
2: legend. He is the best by far on those two bodies of water, in my opinion.
0: He's still going, isn't he?
2: Yeah, he's got a bad back. He's moved now. He lives right up here by Sandusky. Um, I stopped by the house and seen him there. Uh the last time we were up there when we had that big MLF event up there. But uh, Steve, Steve's a fantastic guy to say the least. In
0: 2016, the BFL Michigan division was St. Clair, Detroit River, Detroit River, Lake St. Clair, Detroit River, which is all the same. Mm-hmm. It just depends on how far you have to run to get there. His finishes that year, he won the Angler of the Year. His finishes that year were seventh, sixth, eighth seventh and third. Pretty strong. Cons- this is the consistency level. Listen to his weights. 19, 2010, 1912, 191, 19, 1,
2: 2111. Yeah, that's that's as strong as it gets for anybody out there.
0: Like it must be nice to go out and know that you're gonna catch 20 pounds. Because that's what you, I mean that's what he basically you know that it's gonna happen. Like there's no way it doesn't unless you don't make it back to weigh in.
2: Yeah, if you just go off you, odds, Steve can tell you too. He can pull up and say, you know, you're going to catch one on this rock right here. And I mean, he is, he's dialed in. There's no doubt about it. And when I, and I'm going to date myself, I don't know what year it was, but when FLW had a super tournament, I want to say like early 2000s, five, six, seven, somewhere in there, they had one on Erie. And I told a bunch of guys, I said, Clapper will win that deal. And they go, oh, locals never win. I said, well, just, just remember what I tell you, and he won that deal. It's when it paid two hundred thousand. He won that event up there Barrel Erie.
0: Wow, I did want to get into the sponsorship stuff. You are have been notorious. I think is notorious the right word. I've been having issues with meanings of words lately. Notorious. <laughs> You've been synonymous. Synonymous, I think, is the word with the gray, the flat gray Lucas Lucas Oil wrap, the black, the red. Like that's how I. Uh, that's how I remember you and know you of. And that seems to be a partnership that you have had uh, for a long time and are, will continue into 2023 for the Opens, correct?
2: Sure. Yeah, Lucas has been a great, great partner. And, uh, you know, to go back on that Lucas story, I knew the the vice president of uh, branding and marketing there. And he was with another company prior to that. We kept talking about trying to do something in the fishing industry. and We just never could come up with a you know, anything that really made sense. And then when he ended up going to work for Lucas, we were talking one day and I said, Hey, let's start a Marine line. You guys don't have one. You're known for oils and additives and a whole deal. Let's start a complete Marine line. So we kicked it around a little bit and he was in California. So I get a phone call one night about one o'clock in the morning. And he said, Hey, we're adding one team this year. And it's you, we're going to start a Marine team. So we started it and actually ran the products for probably a year and a half, two years before it ever came out on the market, testing a lot of different stuff. And so we decided, you know, we were going to jump all in on a deal. We talked to Force Lucas and, you know, we had some good meetings on it. And, and I told him, I said, I, I assure you, we can, we can make a big splash in this industry because nobody, you know, produces that everybody's buying third party stuff, whether, you know, any of the engine brand companies, they're all buying third party products. And I said, the thing with Lucas is, and of Lucas is, he'll never put a, mar- a product on the market that doesn't exceed what anything else is out there. So anything that he's got will exceed any expectations you've got out there. And then we tested everything in the racing world. So if it'll work in the racing, you know, in those extreme conditions, it'll definitely work in the conditions that we have. So we started that deal and we started going to, you know, we did some stuff with the Texas team trail tournaments down there in Texas. Mm-hmm. We did the walleye tournaments. We did the, uh, uh, the redfish tournaments. We were sponsors on all those things. And we would show up with skids of product and just pass product out to people and start kind of building a demand for the product. And then, then we started working on distribution and, uh, you know, from there it's grown. We've done a lot of different things. We're in the saltwater with big water adventures. We've got an outdoor line now that, you know, we do the, uh, the hunting oils and greases and it's just, it just continues to grow. And I mean, it's been a very, very good deal for, for Lucas without a doubt.
0: Was it easier to kind of make that marketing transition to, uh, the fishing and the boating industry because of the long standing sponsorship they'd had with drag racing and motorsports? And there's kind of a parallel between those two, do you think? Like, they understood, oh, think, like, the wrap and the logos and that type of stuff?
2: Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, it's kind of a funny story. I sat with Force Lucas, and I said, hey, I'm going to try to get you an OEM with uh, Ranger boats. And he goes, kid, it'll never happen. We've tried this OEM stuff. It just don't work. And so I had some meetings with Randy Hopper and him down there, and we kept, you know, they was having some hub issues, you know, where all the, the uh, sealed hubs were all turning white. People were complaining about it. And I told Randy, I said, I can fix all your problems. So I sent him a skid of product down there and he called me back in about two weeks. He goes, Hey, um, we need to talk some more. So we started talking about it then and what we could do to do a factory fill with them. And actually we jumped on a plane and we flew down there with force Lucas and you know, force wood was there. It's kind of cool. Force wood and force Lucas sitting across the table from each other. (laughs) And, uh, They talked more about cattle than they did anything, but then from there, we got the OEM with them to do the time it was Triton, you know, Ranger and Stratus as a factory fill, and then since then, you know, we've got Bass Cat as a factory fill, you know, we've got Vexus as a factory fill, we've got some stuff going with the um, Camus people, and it's just continuing to grow, so
0: do you know how many marine products lucas oil has now i'm looking at it now and it just keeps going and going because obviously you have the oil stuff but i use so when whenever you pick up the bass cat it you open up one of the rod boxes and it's got a little three pack of lucas oil in there it's got like the tire shine the slick mist, the stead and now i'm
2: hooked on that stuff
0: don't step on the don't step on the bump rub rail after you do it though you'll just go shoop, you'll slide right in
2: oh yeah yeah, the Slick Mist products have been really, really good. You know, we've got lower unit fluid. We actually, all the Sea uh Star fluid uh, in those boats are all factory filled with Lucas. We made a, a special fluid for them. And, you know, we've got brake fluids in there. You know, we got lower unit fluids, two-stroke, four-stroke, and everything is, you know, MNAA, you know, approved. So, you know, it meets all the requirements and it does not void any of your warranties at all.
0: Have you found that the fishing industry is pretty pretty good about uh taking care of the companies that invest in the industry? Like you know, you you talked about sponsoring the Triple T and and there's a lot of stuff out on the West Coast and in, in regional trails and things like that. Yeah. Have you found then that those people are way more likely to go and even if it's a few bucks more, they have to drive to another? A, a different auto zone place or something to find it. They'll stick with Lucas because of the kind of loyalty that they've shown to the Marine industry.
2: Oh, without a doubt, it works that way. You know, I mean, just with Basscat. you know, when we approached Rick Pierce, you know, Rick was like, you guys are supporting the industry. I'm mm-hmm. going to support you too. So, um, you know, everything that Basscat uses is Lucas. And even, even if you look at the the, the tires on your trailer, They're all General Tires. General's not the cheapest tire out there. Rick could buy a cheaper tire, but he's buying really the best tire you can put on a trailer, which is the General's, and, you know, they're in the industry, so he's helping to support that industry all the way through. And then same thing with the anglers, you know. Years ago, when Chevrolet had their heavy involvement in bass fishing, you could pull into a parking lot, and they probably had an 85%, you know, market share on all the tow vehicles the year that chevrolet decided that fishing wasn't a viable source for them all of a sudden you know that market share dropped to probably 50% in that deal and that's about the time toyota was coming on and you know i've had a toyota since 2007 been involved with them and it was you know the the market share that they've got a hold of now is huge
0: yeah dynamics done such a good job with them in the Phenomenal. industry it's- it's absolutely impressive how you could associate Toyota trucks with professional bass fishing. And it's just, it, they've done such a good job on it. It's been seamless.
2: Yeah, and I mean, any bass pro shop you go to, I mean, they're, they're they're tied in with them. You know, when they used to have all the activations where you could go drive the trucks, you know, there's no other manufacturer out there that pays you to go fishing like Toyota does through and- Dynamic.
0: And I also feel like if, if Toyota's not getting a return on their investment, they, they're not going to stick around for this long. Like, they don't have a vested interest in professional bass fishing. They're doing whatever makes money and sells trucks for them. Sure. I mean, if but it was what? the New York Ballet Company that sold them more trucks, they'd be all over the New York Ballet Company.
2: Exactly. But you walk through the parking lots, and, and early on when, when I first signed on with Toyota in '07 you'd walk through the parking lot, you know, and it was funny, you know, okay, we got three at this, you know, event. And then, you know, later in the year, you know, we got seven now. And then as a bonus bucks program come out, then all of a sudden you started seeing tons and tons of those vehicles and it's done nothing but continue to grow in it. You know, as part of your marketing dollars, you put them to work for you and it works out.
0: Are you big, uh, are you signed up for all of the incentive programs and all that? Because I think that's where I I'm missing it. Fishing at that opens level is I don't, I'm, I just haven't taken the time to go through and sign up. Do you do all of like dunk, 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 and have the, all your incentives dialed in?
2: I try to, you know, I haven't on the opens yet. I need to go through and look at the list once I so get everything I do. completely finalized. But you know, if you get a $250 check here and there, you know, you get a, 2000 or $2,500 check from, from Toyota. I mean, all those things add up, you know, and the different sponsor incentives as well. Um, I don't know why more companies don't take advantage of the contingency programs. I know it's something they have to track and, and maintain, but I do believe that, you know, it sells product without a doubt.
0: There needs to be, I wish Bass had a deal like, Hey, here, are all the current, it, sponsors that offer incentives for the Bassmaster Opens. Like, I mean, you go through the list when you register, and they've got whether it's St. Croix there or whatever. But like, I would honestly, right now where I am, I would wear whatever sunglasses paid me the most to wear it for the incentive program on state because we're don't, I don't have a sponsor or anything for that. But I'm not sure which one it is. Is it is it Costa? Which one is? It? I wish you could go to that site. Say here's the thirty incentives that qualify for the Bassmaster Opens, and then the guys could go on there. Pick and choose, and make sure they're dialed in for the maximum amount.
2: Let's beat on Hank and see if we can't get them to put that up on here,
0: or a website or something. I don't see why there would be any. I don't see why there would be any downside
2: for no, the Opens be, to do that. You know, for them, I think it would be positive because that give those sponsors more, you know, hits on their sites to be able to do it. And I think it'd be, you know, great for bass and be great for their partners as well to be able to incentivize that.
0: Have you heard of this thing called, like we're way off in left field here, but I'm just, now we're trying to figure out how to make more money in these opens that they haven't come out with, payout, <laughs> with the payouts for yet, Hank. Uh, have you heard of this thing called side pot fishing? I have. I'm kind of intrigued by it. I was a little hesitant this past year, but then I've called up some dudes that had been like, oh, those so-and-so earned the money. So I like shot him a message. I'm like, yeah, I got a check for it. I paid $200 for the event. What are your thoughts on that?
2: And the same deal, I never knew how good it pays out, for sure. You know, there's been some of those things in the past where some money's disappeared yep. and whatnot. Yep. So, you know, if if it's legit, it's 100% up front. It costs you a couple hundred bucks. You know, West Coast does a lot of those side pot deals. And uh, the Bass Open does some, of, or not the Bass Open, but the, uh, what is it, One Bass out there? I think they do some side pot deals. Yep. And anytime you can put a little extra money in and make some extra money, Hey, I'm all about it.
0: So in theory, the way I understand it is like for the opens, you pay like 200 bucks, you sign up for it. It's a one-off deal. And then everyone else who is in that side pot, it's literally just a side pot. They're an organization that holds the money for the side pot. You register for it. So now you're in for two grand instead of 1800. And then if like 20 of those guys sign up for it, then the top finishing guy out of those 20 gets paid. And second it's, Because in the local tournaments, the side pot guys, like the side pot pays more than the friggin' derby around here in Oklahoma. And it's cash.
2: Yeah, we used to always, you know, big bass was always one of them deals you had to pay separate. And, you know, around here. And then there was always second, you know, optional big bass things that you could pay into. And it's like, guys go, I ain't gonna pay that money. I don't know. I said, you ain't gonna pay five or ten bucks for one cast. I'll pay it every day. Yeah,
0: I did that one time a couple years ago. I finished second in a tournament, and there were 25 boats in it, and it was a $20 Big Bass deal. And uh, I was like, cool, I got second. And they're like, and there was one person who didn't pay into Big Bass. And it was the guy who finished first, and I had the the second biggest bass. I got the Big Bass pot. Paid more than the tournament.
2: Send me the money. Yeah.
0: Are you concerned at all about going to the opens bill where you're paying 1,800 and you're fishing for 3,000 back and you're not fishing for a hundred K every event and the top 10 doesn't pay 20,000 down to it. I mean, it's a big change from going out and knowing that you're fishing for six figures every day.
2: Well, when I seen pay the payout that MLF posted, I I'm okay going with what we're going with. You know, I mean, it's, it, it's an $80,000 payout is what, what it really is over there, unless you're running, you know, the Phoenix boat. So it's not a hundred thousand dollars, it's 80. And then at 30,000 or at at 30th place, you know, 31st is $8,000, not $10,000. So I've got a $5,000 entry fee. You know, I've got another 1,500 to 2,000 on expenses. So if I'm going to fish for a thousand dollars over there, or do you go fish the opens? You know, I'd be lying if, and I think anybody be lying if they said they didn't have a dream to fish the Bassmaster Classic, without a doubt. So with nine opportunities to fish the Classic, nine opportunities to fish the Elites, you know, I've been a member of Bass since 1984. So it's like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go give it a whirl. I'm gonna put all my efforts, 100% effort into it, and go for it you know the money is one thing but you know i look at it this way i'm going to fish the whole season for what i was going to spend on just entry fees at the mlf and the way they've got it set this year where everybody can cherry pick you know because the list they put out on the roster this week it's just for okeechobee that list will change from event to an event
0: you think it'll change quite a bit
2: i think so you know 10 or 15, 20 people probably, or more, it'll change per event. and Ooh, That's gonna... not good
0: because then the ones that it changes to are the ones who think that they can slide in and freaking top 10 that event, which means there's a lot of guys that are going to cherry pick them that are going to take checks, and if you're only paying the 10 grand down to the top 30, you've got a lot of cherry I see where now it gets a little bit tougher.
2: So that's where my, my, my decision, and I mean, we're in the same boat. The guys that's just gonna come in and, and there will be guys that'll jackpot their home lakes you know, in the opens, but the thing on the opens that with the thirty day off limits, uh, that's gonna cut that down quite a bit, I think.
0: hmm And plus if you cherry pick that it doesn't go, you know, your point your points count, but that doesn't it doesn't count to the overall. Like there's not someone out of those that's gonna take your spot. It's just
2: Sure, and if a guy fishes Division One, he fishes all three of them, he's still he's not affecting the points that you and I are after. No yeah. way, shape, nor form.
0: You think we're going to see a lot of pro circuit guys that are fishing all nine opens when that list finally comes out, Bill?
2: I think you're going to be shocked at some of the names you're going to see. I know of two or three X-Cup champions that will be there. Ugh. It's yeah, fun. You got, yeah, you got Bobby Lane. You know, he, he, he's not a cup champion. He's but, won the world championship and he's the, the Red, Red Crest. Crest champion that's coming over there. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's going to be, it's going to be the toughest field in bass fishing, bar none. It'll be the strongest field that they that, that there's probably ever been in bass fishing.
0: And then the, and then the top nine. So let's say there's 180 that end up doing it. Let, let's just do, you're, you're about one in 50, about, one in 18,
2: one in 17, one in 18.
0: Sure. If you going yeah, out I, to try to, to win? What's your strategy? I'm curious. Are you a, a points guy or are you a, just catch whatever the hell you can and see where it shakes out type of guy?
2: I basically have always been catch what you can catch and let it shake out. You know, 2012, I did the points when we fished the FLW series and finished fourth in that deal. Um, I just believe you go catch everything that you can catch. You know, at least the first half of the season, and see how see where you stand at. Because I think if you start out at the beginning trying to fish just conservative and play point games, it'll bite you. So I think you got to go make hay when the sun shines. Some of those latter tournaments, um, you know, we got some September tournaments where the fishing's not as good as it is in other times of the year. So I think you got to go catch what you can catch at the beginning. If you can get a points lead, or you know, high end of points then you start maybe strategizing to be a little bit more point fisherman.
0: I got you. I can't close out an interview uh, on BTO with a guy who hunts in December without asking him if he dropped anything big this year.
2: I did not. Uh, Greg Bohanna and I, we've got a lease in Wisconsin. And I'm just a trophy hunter. I I have no qualms about it. You know, I'm just hunting a big deer. Mm -hmm. I missed an absolute giant early in October. And I fished for basically that one deer or one other deer that was on the property and never got another opportunity. And I call it a successful season. You know, I had a good time and, you know, I got an opportunity to shoot at one of those giant deer. And so it was all good and no complaints there. Now it's time, like I said, to refocus my energy, start fishing again. And going back to guys coming over, there are some strong, strong brands coming over to the opens that'll be new to the to the bass side that that flw has always had or MLF's always had
0: what what could bass do on the open side that would help you and your brand as as bill mcdonald fishing as far as publicity coverage what would be beneficial to you and
2: your sponsors that bass could do
0: Cause they really haven't announced what the heck they're going to do. They just said enhance coverage, whatever that is.
2: Enhance coverage. And that's the whole thing. Coverage. I mean, as far as Lucas as a brand, that's what they're looking for is is that, that coverage that you get, you know, if, if you go back and watch a BPT show uh, our, our branding is on the official. So every fish that's weighed, we're getting visualization off of that. So, I mean, that's the whole key is the visualization. And you know the impressions that you get as it goes on. So, I mean that's key. And like I said, it, it's going to be exciting. You know, once we see that list, once they finally publish it, it's going to be exciting to see who all is coming. I mean, I've talked I know, quite- but what do you,
0: what do you want to see? The enhanced coverage that you would, that that would excite you to be like, dude, this is going to help me as a professional angler who's putting my dollars and my brand behind bass now.
2: You know, live
0: coverage or photo galleries, articles. What do you want?
2: Both. I like to see photo galleries without a doubt that, you know, not just the key guys, but you know, for a lot of the guys, you know, the article side of it, we've lost all of that over there. That's another reason, you know, some of the guys are coming over. There's no more, um, there's no more interviews. There's no more anything. Live coverage is a big deal. I'm excited to see Fox live on, on, uh, Saturdays or the final day. So, we got to work our butts off to make sure we're there on that final day to get that live coverage. But the uh, interviews and that whole deal will just be, it'll be huge. What Bass says they're going to do, let's see what they do here.
0: I would like to see a small segment of the Elite Series coverage not be dedicated, but talk about the Opens race. Who's at the top of it? Maybe show a little clip during their live coverage instead of replaying a catch 9 million times do a little five, ten-minute deal each day that highlights what's going on at the Opens. I think it benefits the Open sponsors, it benefits the Open anglers, and it gives the viewers an option if they want to dive deeper into it. I have on the PGA Tour, you know, a guy makes a putt to to stay on, and then you end up down this rabbit hole of of amateur golfers and and, and their stories and learn their stories and things. I would like to see a little bit of the elite series live bleed over into the opens instead of, Hey, here's, here's nine random guys that we haven't talked about all year that are now on the elite series. I think that would be beneficial.
2: You know, i like to see them too on the EQ side, if they do an EQ side or, you know, dedicated page to that is I know Ronnie Moore can't do interviews with everybody, but maybe you do a five minute interview or you have a guy send in a five minute interview where that people can go look and see, and you know, have all your stats, or you know, some of us won't have any stats coming over to Bass now. But yet, we can list our sponsors and what we do, and uh, you know, just like a, a slight bio or whatnot, or why we came to the to the opens. I think there's a, a people out there want to know those things, so
0: mm-hmm. you
2: know, at least. And they have you, done a great
0: job. I don't know who was at. uh There is a dude who was interviewing at Hartwell, and he did a heck of a job. He did a bunch of of above and beyond written articles he interviewed like 10 or 15 guys a day. Cause at one point I was like, Dale, like, why are you interviewing me? I'm like, I'm, I'm not in the top three. And he's like, no, I'm doing some other stuff on the side. Did a really good job. So I I don't even know what his name was. I wish I That's cool. And I mean, you I got, you I got, did. you
2: do a great job here, you know, bringing guys on and letting us, you know, share what we're doing or what we're thinking and go from there. Yeah.
0: Well, it's a weird deal, man. Like, have I mean, you dedicated your life to catching little green fish. Like it's a, I always say you don't get the opportunity to be around people who are living their dream very often. Like I feel like you're around people. It's just the monotony in the day to day, but like, dude, you're, you're excited right now. You've been doing this for two over two decades, had a career before this. And I mean, I can already tell just in your voice, like you're, you are excited and ready to go to work in March on Lake Eufaula in Alabama. And I don't think, I think that's rare in today's where it's just, boom, 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 beat to be around people who are excited, living their dream and chasing something. That's their passion.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's an exciting time to go. And you know, the way they've got the tournament set up this year too, we got four days of practice or four and a half yep. days of practice. So you don't have to go pre-fish, you know, we were hand tied, you know, before over there that, I mean, if you're going to compete, you had to basically go pre-fish, you know, with the shorter practice periods that we had now with this, I mean, I wish they'd do away with Wednesday's practice completely and just give us a day off, you know, that you can do what you need to do. If you need to do a, you know, a podcast, you can do a podcast. The guy wants to go play golf, he can go play golf. Or if you just want to sleep in and get your tackle ready and not have the pressure of, man, do I need to go out there for Being obligated
0: because someone is out there.
2: You know, because you feel guilty, you know. You know, my wife gets on me some days when the weather's crappy and, you know, you're out there still from daylight to dark. And she goes, will not you come in? I said, I can't. I feel guilty that I'm not giving up my all that if I do cut my day short, so. When
0: I covered the Elite Series, I roomed with Rojas a lot. I learned a lot of stuff from him, and one of the things was sometimes it'd be daylight to dark. You know, I was just covering the event, writing the top 10 pieces, shooting photos on the water stuff for Bass Zone. but during practice sometimes, and he's pretty dang consistent angler, Bill. Yeah. He would be in at noon sometimes on a Tuesday. Other times it would be, half an hour past dark and he'd come roll in. And I asked him about that one time. I said, you know what, you know, what is that? You know, you hear Ike going, you got to be first to the ramp and last to leave. And he said, I've learned over the years that the, the minute I feel like I'm being unproductive on the water during practice, he goes, at that moment, he goes, I am now hurting myself more than I am helping myself. He said, so I just get off the water because all I'm going to do is, is get frustrated, my confidence is going to drop and I'm going to fish through areas ineffectively. He goes, I would rather get off the water and approach it fresh and have less time feeling productive than force myself to stay out and feel unproductive. And I was like, dude, that makes so much sense. And that's how I've kind of treated it since then.
2: I mean, it makes sense without a doubt. That's where you shift gears. I think, you know, maybe you put on a trailer and go the opposite end of the lake. Yeah. You know, you drive 30 minutes, 45 minutes, clear your head. Then, you know, I want to go look at something totally, totally different. You know, there's just so many different aspects of this. And the discipline side of the game, I think it's something that a lot of guys miss. You know, because you don't have a coach. You don't have your mom and dad kicking you in the butt, telling you you got to go do this. I mean, you got to be disciplined enough to to fish hard during the day, eat right or fairly right, and then be able to get some sleep at night and get up to go do it again. So, the discipline side of it too. I think something that some people just overlook completely.
0: And it's also cool how you could have, I mean, dude, you, uh, here I am. I'm, I'm like kind of in my mid thirties. I just interviewed Tristan McCormick and he's like, boy, this young generation that's coming up, they sure are good. And I was like, Tristan, you're 23 years old. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. So you've got guys that are like 18 or 19 that have it. You've got guys that are in the middle. Then you've got veterans that have been doing it for 20 years and you can make a case for all three of those i mean do you've got a 50 year gap between all with the same goal and you can make a case for why all the veterans from the invitationals and pro circuit are going to kick everyone's butt and why all the 19 year olds who are electronic savvy and and have never felt an ache or pain in their life are going to kick everyone's butt and then everywhere in between that's what makes it cool in my opinion oh
2: yeah you know i'm 62 so you know i've got some age on me nixon's 72 so you know, it's it's just interesting that there's no limitations on that. That's what's cool about it. You know, we can go out there, you can have fun, and you can put a Tristan McCormick in your boat or, you know, beside your boat and fish against him, which is fun and it's cool. And you can learn. That's the other thing, being open-minded and being able to learn from some of these kids. It's like I said, the, the electronics game was not my forte when I started into this. You know, being from Indiana, it was, you know, if you were five or six eyes deep on your rod, Uh, You were starting to get too deep. You know, you just take off and go. But going back to that, sticking your rod down, that's the key in Florida. I mean, especially with all the spraying that's been going on, the electronics, you know, will help you some. But that rod tip is the biggest key to fish in the state of Florida that there is without a doubt.
0: Hard bottom, right?
2: Hard bottom, hard bottom, hard bottom. And with them spraying, you can go to areas, you know, i fish fished Florida for years, but you can go to areas that's been notoriously great spawning areas that now are just trashed. They've sprayed so much, it's nothing but muck. And then fish will not spawn there, period. So you got to go and you've got to find those hard bottoms, those hard places, you know, which Miles Berghoff and I, the last time at Okeechobee, we fished within a 100 yards probably of each other for four days there. And... Both of those areas, you know, we found those, or I found mine anyway, using a rod tip. And you went 300 yards either way, and, and the water turned to muck again.
0: See, that's something that, like, if you're 19 and just coming, yeah, you don't know that. You got to be out there. You got to stick your rod in the water, feel the bottom, and you got to go two derbies and wonder why you zeroed and didn't get a bite and beautiful stuff. And the guy a hundred yards over had 25 pounds. That's the only way to learn that, isn't it, Bill?
2: Yeah. And, and when we were kids, my dad used to take us to all the time. And we waited, you know, we had a 14 foot fiberglass boat with a 20 horse Mercury. We didn't have a trolling motor and we had a buddy that was a guide down there and he would tell us areas to go to. So we would go out, tie the boat up, and we would jump out and wade and the water would fluctuate maybe three to six inches while you were waiting, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're in muck, and then all of a sudden you get to a real hard bottom, and you start catching the crap out of them.
0: Wait, wait, waiting, like walking through Florida swamp in gator-infested water to find hard bottom?
2: Yeah, out in the middle, you know, he was off, offshore, but yes. You know, you'd see alligators. <laughs> alligators really didn't bother you. You know, you didn't, you didn't want to go wait around the uh, trailer parks where people fed them and whatnot, but they... uh <laughs> They wouldn't bother you, or we—we we never had an issue.
0: I got you. Anything else you want to get in here? I've kept you for almost an hour and twenty minutes. I've enjoyed the heck out of it.
2: Now that's it, man. I've had a great time.
0: All right. Well, I will see you in April, March, or April. Where's it? It's March, isn't it?
2: March, first week of March.
0: I'm really kind of glad that we didn't start in Florida in January or February because I feel like that just throws everything back and you immediately start stressing out over, oh, my gosh, it's only a month. This at least allows you to enjoy Christmas without an ulcer, at least for me.
2: See, I wish I wish they would start a little earlier in February. I I think there's something to having that first major event, which I feel like this is going to be a major event in the media world when it starts. Is everybody's hungry for it, and I think you can you can you know jump the boat a little bit and get up on everybody else on media coverage if you've got that first event. It's
0: fair fair point. Fair yeah. point, Phil.
2: So now we're looking forward. Like I said, it'll be they'll be there quick, and then we'll go to the classic. Work it. and Hopefully, see you there at the classic.
0: Oh yeah, and I'll see you. When do you pick up the new cat?
2: Uh, I picked mine up. I fished out of it at Hartwell. I finished it on Wednesday and took it to Hartwell and started fishing on Friday.
0: Oh, yeah, I remember that. I saw you at the media event. You had it. So is it all rigged out and back and good to go?
2: It's complete. You know, I broke it in there. It was complete. When I left there, the media event was good. And then, like I said, I'll pick it up this afternoon with the uh, with the complete wrap on there. So it'll I'm ready to go. How
0: many graphs are you going with?
2: Four. I don't ever run more than four.
0: Two on the console, two on the bow.
2: Correct. One's dedicated to The rest of it just you go fishing.
0: All right, good stuff. All right, Bill, thank you appreciate very much. It, I greatly appreciate it. If people want to follow you, you on the social medias: Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, any of that stuff.
2: Yep, uh, Bmac fishing on Instagram and uh, on TikTok, and then oh, you're Bill on TikTok.
0: Mc- I've never even been on TikTok, Bill.
2: Oh yeah, Bill McDonald, pro once. angler on Facebook.
0: Okay. Good stuff. All right. All right. Have a good have a good morning. I appreciate it, man.
2: Appreciate it, Matt. Look forward to hanging out with you, bud. All
0: right. See ya. All okay, right. Man. That was uh Indiana's Bill McDonald. Like I said, he's been around forever. Like I just he's always been around. I've been at a couple media events with him, but kind of got to know him at the uh the Northern Michigan Strike King uh, writers' conference and media event that we had up there where I caught that I caught a it it was nasty weather. It was like awesome and then it got nasty. And one of the dudes who does the uh Kings of Bass is like a big time trout and salmon guy up there. And he was like, Hey, I'm going to go uh see if there's any, any uh salmon that came up this river from Huron. Does anybody want to go? And I was like, I, I didn't really know these guys. So they like kind of went. And then like 20 minutes later, I'm like, man, it's like pouring down rain. I'm stiff. Yeah. I want to go catch a salmon. So I jumped in the truck and went down there and ended up catching that one on a jerk bait. It was crazy. They were just like, Thousands of these king salmon or chinooks that they call them there. I mean, they're red, they weren't great eating then, but it's so cool up north. end. anyway, so that's where I got to know Bill. And that I, he, he gave me like a pump thing for my, uh, for my jack plate that he just happened to have on hand. And then that's how I realized he was mechanically inclined, uh, which I am not. So, uh, really good to catch up with him. All right, we're going to take a quick break when we come back, uh, wrap things up here. on btl on a tuesday we will be back right after this have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig the type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision making process no matter if you prefer one two or three graphs up front beatdown outdoors has a solution for you adjustable versatile rigid and made in the usa What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting BeatdownOutdoors.com.
3: Combining one of the most popular hook styles with Gamakatsu's beefier Superline offering, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bend delivers the strength necessary to target big fish in heavy cover. Well-suited for braided line and heavier fluorocarbon, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bend is built using stronger Superline wire that allows anglers to easily fish a finesse worm around heavy cover. The round band offers a larger bite area, perfect for any worm presentation, while increasing your hook-up ratios. The newly enhanced Z-Band holds your plastics on the hook longer, reducing the number of pull-offs and reducing damage to plastics. Available in 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, and 5-0, this is the most durable worm hook designed for heavier lines that hold your bait on longer preparation is key to success and that preparation starts well before you ever hit the water you're only as strong as your connection to the fish and your line is that critical connection confidence in your line every minute of every day on the water is a necessity and failure it's not an option Sunline makes the fluorocarbon Nylon and braided lines to give you the strength to guarantee your confidence.
5: Vibrating jigs are a great choice for any time of year, and the Kamikaze Swim On is a perfect match for any vibrating jig. Two sizes and the unique tail design gives it a bait fish profile and a great swimming action for realism. There are 17 colors, see them all at bigbitebaits.com.
4: The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years, and it is one of my go to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat. So you can never have enough new colors. That's why is coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got... The Matte Sexy Shad, just a really different looking color for a crankbait, so you want to give them a little different look, that Matte Sexy Shad is definitely the one to go with. All these colors are available in the original Little John and the MD.
5: The new Android series is the peak of the Denali lineup and offers the ultimate Denali experience. The Android series features 36 ton multi-directional graphite combined with interlock blank technology for added strength. Each rod is outfitted with royal titanium guides that will not fail. The blank is fitted into an easy touch, soft feel EVA foam grip with exposed blank reel seat. This all allows the Android to transmit every movement of your bait and even the most subtle bites. The Android series is the finest rod Denali has ever made and offers an angler the ultimate fishing experience with a limited lifetime warranty. See the full lineup of Android rods at DenaliRods.com
0: welcome back btl on a tuesday big shout out to bill mcdonald from indiana and uh, one of the things i like to do during the show is get to know guys that i don't know very well and bill's one of those guys who's been around for a long people know a lot of the same people but i just haven't really gotten to know him so i enjoyed the heck out of that everything he said i pretty much learned right along with you guys so uh cool show Learned a lot about that, especially with Lucas Oil. I mean, you look at it, and they're so prevalent in the marine industry uh, now. Uh Kind of cool to get back and see kind of how uh, the genesis of of how all that started and got into the marine industry. Tomorrow, uh interesting show. Tomorrow, going to have a couple of call-in guests and then also going to open up the uh, Sunline hotline. Still working on a guest uh, may have one, but primarily Sunline Hotline. So if you have any questions, I'd be interested in people's take on 2022, their highs for the season, their lows for the season. Any trends that they notice, any questions, anything that they thought about, feel free to call in. The Sunline Hotline will be open. May or may not have Brad Holman in studio. I'd like to get Brad in studio. We'll see if Brad, because he drops his kids off at school like a, a couple blocks away. So he's typically, uh, typically available uh, for that. And then we just have a couple... Couple more weeks uh, before we get ready for Christmas. I am still waiting. I don't know if it's updated or yet. I'm going to check on basszone.com right now. Shop BTL at the top, apparel store. Nope, not up yet. We still have uh, the hoodies in there, but I was checking to see if the day for. I'm every. Time I check the day four and the Christmas merch drop for BTL should be available. In the meantime, if you would like, uh, the sweatshirt that I was wearing yesterday, the BTL Limited Edition Ugly Sweater, that's only $28.95. T-shirts $19.95. If you order more than $50, you get a free Uh, legacy dashboard trucker cap. This is kind of a a low-profile mesh back hat with a a BTL logo patch on it. We do have some beanies up there, some uh, cuffed knit beanies for $16.95. And then that's about as low as I could go on the hooded sweatshirts. Those things are ridiculously expensive now, but $46, $44 for the BTL Performance hoodie and the badge hoodie. We'll have one more new hoodie uh, when that all comes out. But if you're looking for Christmas gifts, if you're looking for stuff uh, to... Uh give as gifts or want to put it in someone's ear to receive as gifts. There's all those items are on sale uh right now on the BTL store and they're printed. You don't have to wait for them as soon as you order it, it's sent to it. I actually ordered that ugly sweater and it came like three, four days later. So it's all good. But oh, I think I can show it. I share screen on everything. There it is, right there. You just go to uh from the BTL site. You just go to the shop BTL at the top, click on that, there you go. So that's what we got available right now. All right. Big shout out to Bill McDonald. Enjoyed the heck out of that interview. Tomorrow, Sunline Hotline show, a couple special guest callers. That's all we got on Tuesday. We'll see everyone on a Wednesday. Later.